Well, believe it or not, well, next Sunday will be our last Sunday in the book of Joshua. He has been our companion ever since the fall of last year. And some of you may be thinking, good, it's about time to move on to something else. Uh, some of you might be sad to see him go. He, I have learned a lot from this book, um, and I know that many of you have as well. That we have quite a few chapters left, um, but I'm feeling some urgency to, to proceed. Um, there's something that I want to chat about with you after Joshua, um, some scriptures I want to share specifically with you. And I'm looking forward to that very much. So we ended up last week in Joshua 17. There's 24 chapters in Joshua. And we are about to do five chapters in five minutes. And then focus on chapter 23 this morning. Okay? Now this is not because these five chapters are unimportant. Every chapter in the Bible is important. Every chapter is breathed out by God. It's profitable. It's very important. The reason we're breezing over these is not because it's not important, but I just feel like right now it's good for us to proceed, to, to keep moving. Um, we're still getting used to studying through books of the Bible. I don't want us to get bogged down. Um, and I think chapter 23 is our chapter for this morning. So we finished chapter 17 last week. Uh, chapters 18 and 19, they finished distributing the land. The, the Israelites are in the promised land now. They've, they've gotten in there. They haven't driven out all the people like they're supposed to. But they're in there, and they've finished distributing all the land, including Joshua, gets his share in chapters 18 and 19. Chapter 20, uh, they set aside cities of refuge. The cities of refuge were cities specified for manslayers. Like if, if a man was out chopping firewood and his axe handle flew off and struck another man in the head and he died, that man would be in danger. Uh, it, it would be tempting for people to seek retribution. So they set up cities of refuge for people who accidentally killed other people to go to. And they would live there until the high priest changed out. Um, that's what chapter 20 talks about. I'm not going to have time to elaborate on that a whole lot this morning. Chapter 21, the priests get their provision. We, we didn't dwell on this much, but the priests, they didn't get land allotted to them like the other tribes did. It says in there that their allotment was God himself. But in chapter 21, they still... Uh, make provision for them. They have food to eat. They have a place to stay. Chapter 22 is, you should read it, it's a little confusing, but some tribes go back to the other side of the Jordan where they want to stay. It's good land for cattle. And when they get over there, they raise up this huge altar, this imposing altar. God didn't tell them to build an altar. So the other Israelites get angry and they think that these Israelites over here are disobeying and they're going to incur wrath on everybody. So they're ready to go fight. This is a, kind of a hitch in the plan here. Everything's going well, and now it's almost civil war. But they get over there, and these tribes say, no, 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 we're not going to sacrifice on this altar. This was just to be a memorial so that our kids and your kids remember that we're all one. We all worship the same God. I know it's confusing. I'm going through this extremely fast, but so what did you know kind of what happened from 17 to 23? That dispute is resolved, and now, 23, where I want us to dwell today... Joshua is giving his farewell address. And this will be sort of a two-parter. Next week we'll finish this up with chapter 24. But Joshua is old now. He's 110 years old-ish. Does anyone in here feel like they're about 110 years old this morning? <laughs> a couple of folks do. He's about 110 years old. He started this whole thing when he was probably around 80. 
So they're in there now, and he's old, and he knows that his, his job's done, basically. And he, he knows that he's on his way out. So he gathers up the Israelites, all the heads of the tribes, and this is his final words to them. Now, this means that this is important. If you knew that your time had come, and you had one final chance to speak to your family or whoever you consider your people, some of you younger guys, your friends, you had one final chance to talk to them, what would you say? Think about it. What would, what would be the final thing, if you could choose, that you would say? It probably wouldn't be, hey, did you see that game last night? Or did you watch the office last Thursday? It would be important. It would probably be the most important. You probably think through that more than you would any other conversation you've ever had. So here we have the culmination of this whole book, Joshua's farewell address. So we need to dwell here. We need to spend some time here. This is going to be very important. It's going to be important for Israel, and I think it's going to be important for us. I think it's sort of his farewell address to us as well, as we're going to see. I mean, we've spent since the fall in this book. And the question now is, what now? We're transitioning out of this book next week. What now? So I just want to read it to you. The first five verses of chapter 23, Joshua's farewell address. Joshua 23, verse 1. Now it came about after many days when the Lord had given rest to Israel from all their enemies on every side. And Joshua was old, advanced in years, that Joshua called for all Israel, for their elders and their heads and their judges and their officers, and said to them, I am old and advanced in years. And you have seen all that the Lord your God has done to all these nations because of you. For the Lord your God is he who has been fighting for you. See, I have apportioned to you these nations which remain as an inheritance for your tribes, with all the nations which I cut off from the Jordan, even to the great sea, toward the setting of the sun. The Lord your God, he will thrust them out before you and drive them from before you, and you will possess their land, just as the Lord your God promised you. Do you guys remember the very first sermon of the Joshua series? I'm going to be very disappointed in you if you don't. I'm just kidding. I think it was the first sermon. It might not have been the very first sermon. But the main point of it was God keeps his promises. And we talked about this whole trip into the promised land was the end result of centuries of promise. That people were just waiting for God to, to fulfill his promise. And now he's doing it. And this is sort of a bookend here. Joshua's saying, okay, we're in now. See? I told you, God fulfills his promises. And there's sort of two parts here. I'm going to reread a couple of verses. He tells them, You've seen all that the Lord your God has done to all these nations because of you. For the Lord your God is he who has been fighting for you. See, I have apportioned to you these nations which remain as an inheritance for your tribes with all the nations which I have cut off from the Jordan into the great sea toward the setting of the sun. Saying, see, do you see what God has done now? This is what he chooses to say to Israel at the end. See what he's done. Remember what he has done. 
And then it goes on in verse 5. The Lord your God, he will thrust them out before you and drive them from before you. You will possess their land just as the Lord your God promised you. Just two simple parts here. This is a theme that has been carried on throughout the whole book of Joshua. God does amazing things and proves that he is indeed God. And then the people have to remember, they have to fight to remember what God had done. So they won't forget that he's God. God does amazing things and proves that he is God. He does fulfill his promises. All the way from when they came out of Egypt. Remember the plagues in Egypt? Each plague was a slap to the face of an Egyptian idol. It was all proving that God is the one God. He's proved it. And Joshua, he's on his way out and he's saying, please don't forget. Please don't forget. Our God is God. Remember what he's done. And he'll continue to do it. Trust in him. And I think that's God's message through Joshua, through his word to us this morning. We've studied this whole book. What now? I mean, if this is truly history, God has proven in the pages of this book, he is the one God. Are we going to forget? Are we going to forget and go on living as though he's not, as though he doesn't keep his promises? Remember when they crossed the dry river? It's the Jordan River. It was at flood, flooding time. It was the highest it usually is. And God dried it up so Israel could miraculously cross it and go into the promised land. And after they got across, do you remember what they did? He sent men back in from each tribe to pick up big stones and basically just build a big pile of stones on the bank. And he said, the reason I'm asking you to do this is so that we won't forget We want future generations to see this pile of stones and say, Dad, what's that all about? And we can say, oh, I'm glad you asked. That's when our God, the real God, dried up the Jordan River and we were able to cross. Our God is God. These stones are our reminder. And we see all through the book, their battle is is memory. Memory is their battle to remember what God has done and not doubt. In fact, I would argue just the fact that we have the book of Joshua... I think he wrote it so the people wouldn't forget. We're pretty sure Joshua wrote this book. After seeing all these miraculous, wonderful things, he wrote it all down. And because he did, now we even have the memory of what God did. I think our great danger at this point as a church, as we've come out of this epic study in this book, our greatest danger probably is just forgetting. Just forgetting it. And just going on. It, it, it doesn't even seem realistic that it could be possible that we could forget some of the things we've seen about God in here. But I know that it is. And I know that I, I'm already forgetting. I, um, a couple days ago, some of you know I have a house in Albemarle. It's my luxury vacation home. I'm trying desperately to get that thing ready to sell it. Um, there's some improvements that need to be made. Um, some aesthetic problems that need to be solved. I'm terrible at that kind of stuff. But I'm working frantically trying to get it together. And I'm sure that once I do, that people are going to be, there's going to be a bidding war. And I'm going to get top dollar because everybody wants to move to Albemarle, North Carolina. But I went down there the other day with the intentions of working inside. We had to redo the ceilings. 
And if you've ever worked with sheetrock, you have to do a couple of layers of the mud, and it has to dry, and, and I really need to put another layer on there so it has time to dry. But I got there, and now it's summer, it's jungle season, and this, my backyard, it was insane. I mean, it's terrible. I mean, the weeds up to like here, behind my fence, it's like a, a tidal wave of just, I don't even know what it is, just greenery coming from my, my neighbor's property back there. Coming over with vines, snaking through my yard, you know, the kind of stuff that tangles in your push mower. It's terrible. And I got there, and I'll be honest with you. I try to be honest with you because I want you to be honest with yourselves and each other. I was playing, I was discouraged. I was almost despairing. I was, we've got to get out from under this house. And I'm like, I can't even do it. I'm not even going to be able to get inside and work. I'm going to spend all my time out here wrestling this ugly, hideous yard. And in that moment, the furthest thing from my mind was the fact that God is who he says he is. That he has promised to provide for me. That if I lack wisdom on how to sell this house, I just have to ask him and he'll give it. The furthest thing from my mind is that God is who he says he was. I would just forget. And it's so important in, in the off season to exercise this faith, to figure out who God is. Because when you're confronted, and I know that is a very light example. I know that. I know that some of you have been hit in the face with hardship like I can't even imagine. But in that moment when you're there, it's, it's too late to start scrambling to try to drum up some faith in God. If you still coughing in a few minutes, I'm going to go check on <laughs> It's too late when I'm standing in my jungle in Albemarle to get my Bible and say, all right, who is God? Can I trust him? I'm hoping that's what this Joshua study does for us now. The whole thing has been a study of the character of God. And I've been proud of you guys because spending a lot of Sundays just talking about God, that can be preacher suicide because people want to hear about themselves. We naturally want to hear about, I want six steps to better me, 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 me. I want to know about me. I've been proud of our church that we've hung in there and I've, I've seen passion for you about learning about God because this is what we need to know, that God is who he is. God is who he says he is. But some of you, you're living in these difficult circumstances right now. And I pray that you have this foundational understanding that God really is who he says he is. Some of you will confront these situations soon. You don't know when. I might this afternoon. You know, we never know. In the off-season, you practice to get ready for game time. That's what some of us are doing here in Joshua. And I wish it was like a, a computer program that we could download the book of Joshua into our mind. And every morning, it queues up, and it's just running all day, just constantly. Whatever comes at us, the program just blocks off doubts, blocks off fears, because we trust God. But we don't work that way. We forget. Are we going to just forget? I think there's three things that happen that cause us to forget. Um, one thing, we often mistake history for just sentiment. Like when we read the historical books of the Bible, we think, oh, those are neat stories. Those remind me of growing up in Sunday school. Noah's Ark, Moses and the burning bush. Those are neat. Bring back warm feelings. And we forget that's history. This happened to real people Amen. like you and me. And, and when we forget that it's real and it's history... It doesn't do us any good 
when the bottom falls out. We have no real confidence in God anymore. The sentimental feelings are gone. We need to remember this is history. This is true. This is real. It's like Easter a couple weeks ago. We talked about the resurrection. It really did happen. I mean, you realize that, right? This is a real event. And it means everything. So we mistake history for sentiment. Another thing that we often do is we mistake hearing for believing. Last week, for instance, we talked about how you know, Satan lies to us and tells us we can't be obedient to God. And so we decide that we won't be obedient to God. And then we live a lifestyle of not being obedient to God. And many commented that that was an effective sermon, that they, they felt like they heard from God during that. But how many of you changed how you live? Because often we, we just mistake the fact that we heard it, and we think that means that we, that we did it, that we obeyed it, that we lived it. I think that's a common thing that happens to us as Christians. We come in here and we hear these things about God, and, and we mistake that we heard it for that we're placing our faith in it. And we lose the real placing our faith in God. So we can't mistake history for sentiment. It really happened. We can't mistake hearing for actually changing our lives. We have to change our lives. The other thing I think we do is... Um, I think many of us stumble in our faith and we forget and we drift from God because we're not developing a personal history with Him. We're not developing a personal history with God. Let me explain what I mean. Um, these are three journals of mine. I have many more. I've showed the youth my whole stack. I used to do much better at this than I do now. But these are full of prayers, mainly. And thoughts, but mainly prayers. And I can look back and I can see that God has been real in my life. If I didn't have these, I would have forgotten so much about what God has done for me. Now I look back in these journals and I see... Evidence of guidance that he's given me. I remember when I was at CP, I've shared this a lot, but I was at CP out of high school. All my friends and my girlfriends took off to a big four-year school. Thought they were so much better than me. <laughs> so I was at CP, no friends, no girlfriend. Of course, we broke up soon after because she's up there living it up at college, and I'm still living it up at my parents' house going to CP. <laughs> but I have it here. Where one day, I, I did everything by myself back then because, you know, I, I had really a hard time meeting folks. I went to the driving range by myself. And that's not pathetic. That's what the pros do. <laughs> I went to the driving range by myself in Wingate. And I remember it. I only remember it because of my journal looking back. But driving back, it was dusk. You know, it was summertime. But it was getting cool because the sun had gone down. There were fireflies all around. I had my windows down. I thought, man, I wish I could share this with somebody. Specifically, a female would be great. I just wanted a girlfriend, you know. And I have in there my prayers for it. And I can, I can trace how God didn't answer that right away. Instead, he gave me two years of isolation at CP. But during those two years, he drew me to him. And he gave me a passion for his word. And, and he shaped who I was as a man and prepared me to have a godly girlfriend. And then I have in here where I prayed, I don't really even care anymore. Just help me to submit to what you want from me. Help me to see what you have for me to do in all of life and in the girlfriend area. And then like one week later, I met Meredith Carpenter at Blown Rock Camp up there. It's called Hayoka. You would not expect to meet your wife up there. But I met her right after that. And I could trace it. I could see God really answered my prayers way better than I could have. He, 
He knew better than to let me meet her back then. She wouldn't have had anything to do with me back then. He gave me two years and, and helped me mature first. And you know, now we're married, we have two kids, and it's, it's awesome. I can see that. I have a history. God is real. It helps me not forget. I can see in there, um, I know I've shared this a bunch too. Stop me if you heard this one. But I can see in there every day when I would go work at Olive Garden, my desperate pleading with God just helped me make it through this night because it was terrible. I was a terrible waiter. And then I could see corresponding prayers of thanksgiving. You did. You helped me through. I didn't, I didn't spill water on an old lady this time. Like, like <laughs> and, and prayers before I would go into work at, at other places where I would just pray, God, help me to be your, your man in here. Help me to see opportunities to just encourage people or share your truth in some way. Share Christ. And then I have corresponding prayers where he did. He gave me opportunities. I mean, it's amazing to look back. And I don't share all this in any way to brag. If you guys saw the contents of these, you would think much less of me, actually, than you, than you do right now. I just say it to encourage you that God is real. And I want you to think, do you have a history with him? I mean, has, is he working in your lives? Is, he, is your relationship with him something real, tangible? If not, you need to address that. You need to seek that out. Because I think that's another pitfall that we fall into. Why we forget that he's God is because the fact that he's God doesn't impact our lives at all. I mean, if, if God were not God, would it change how you live at all? If suddenly we found some ancient scroll and it says, oh, the Bible's just made up, he's not God. Would it change your lifestyle any? Something to think about. And Joshua moves on here at, you know, after summarizing this whole theme, God is real. He's proved it. Don't forget. Don't forget. Because there's much to do. And, and he moves on in verse 6. Read verses 6 through 8. Be very firm then. Some of your translations may say, therefore, be very firm. Because of this, because God's real, be very firm then to keep and do all that is written in the book of the law of Moses. So that you may not turn aside from it to the right hand or to the left. So that you will not associate with these nations which remain among you. Or mention the name of their gods. Or make anyone swear by them. Or serve them or bow down to them. But you are to cling to the Lord your God as you have done to this day. Remember, this is his farewell address. This is what he's chosen to say to them. God is God. He's proved it. Don't forget. Keep trusting in him. And then he gives them what they need to be doing. And you might expect him to say, okay, because of this, go out there, you know, drive out the rest of the people or do some amazing things because he is God. But what he gives them to do is the same old stuff he always gives us to do. Remember God's law and obey God's law. The clear statements that God gives us, his will for your life and mine, it's always, read, listen to my voice. Remember what I've told you and obey. So many of us are trying, you know, we wish, oh, I wish I could find God's will for this situation in my life or this category. He's made his will very clear. Remember his law and obey. And if he is God, if we believe it, we should take that seriously. I've heard one pastor say that he has been very tempted many Sundays to just re-preach last Sunday's sermon because he doesn't think anybody remembered it anyway. I don't think that's the case here. 
That's what I like to believe, and I think it's true. But I mean, you know, what do you remember? I mean, you know, we had our joy series a while back where we studied through the book of Philippians. What do y'all remember? And I know, I know a lot of this, it, it sort of shapes your worldview in more subtle ways. It's not necessarily that you have a lot of specifics that you remember necessarily, but you know, do you, are you remembering it? Are you taking these things with you? Are you reading your word at home and, and taking it with you and remembering it and obeying it, modifying your life to it? Because this is how God wants us to live. This is how we remember Remember the beginning of Joshua? I'm going to read a couple of verses from the beginning of Joshua. Joshua's just starting out and he's scared. Remember how scared Joshua was at the beginning of all this? We talked a lot about that. And this is God's message to him. Only be strong and very courageous. Be careful to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Don't turn from it to the right or to the left so that you may have success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you'll make your way prosperous, and then you'll have good success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Don't tremble or be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. His most specific command to Joshua is, stay in my word. Stay in my word. Keep my voice in your ear. Meditate day and night. And be careful to just obey it. It gives us a straight path. I just want to read this again in 23. Be very firm then to keep and do all that is written in the book of the law of Moses. Why? He tells you what will happen if you do this. So that you may not turn aside from it to the right hand or to the left. So that you will not associate with these nations. These which remain among you. Or mention the name of their gods. Or make anyone swear by them. Or serve them or bow down to them. I'm not going to dwell too long here. Next week we're going to dwell longer. The big culmination of this study, you know what it should be? You know what the big takeaway should be? The same takeaway Joshua wanted his people to have. God is God, so just live by this book. Just just stay in it. Just be reading it. And if there's anyone in here who thinks, I can't get the CD from last week, you can't. Just be reading it. Just be walking according to it. And it promises something that will happen. Your path will be straight. You won't go to the right or to the left. If you go to the right or to the left, there's cliffs on either side and you're going to fall off. What the cliffs are might surprise you. It's idolatry and that's what we're going to talk about next week. The whole point of this is to remember that God is God. And what they do, they they don't obey. They don't stick in God's word. If you keep reading... They don't do that, and they fall off the cliff to either side, and they start worshiping idols that aren't even God. And everything falls apart. We're going to talk a lot more about that next week. Next week's going to be big. It's our last one in Joshua. Come expectantly and prayerfully next week. But for this week, I just want to close with some questions for you. What are you going to remember from the study of Joshua? How is your life going to be different because we spent so much time in the book of Joshua? How are you going to remember these things? Are you developing a history of your own with God? Are you living in such a way that you see God is real in your own life?
are you going to keep those memories alive? Maybe some of you need to go out and buy a journal today. I don't know what it is. There's lots of different ways, I'm sure. This is what helps me. What steps do you need to take right now to not move on from Joshua too quick and forget? Some of you, you may need to read the book of Joshua this week. Maybe you need to start from the beginning, get a whole week, and just reread it. And just remember all that God has done. What steps do you need to take to be getting into God's word, remembering it, obeying it? My heart here, and I thank you for sticking with me. I'm going like 30 minutes of sleep last night. My heart here is I, I just don't want you guys to forget. I want us to be a church where people can tell that we live differently because we really do believe in this God. And when they question us about it, we don't necessarily only point them to scripture verses. And we don't necessarily only, you know, try to logically prove that he exists. We say, he has done this, 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 and this in my life and in the life of my family. He's real. I don't want us to forget. And I don't want you to feel weighed down by this either. The whole glory of the gospel is that we're accepted through Christ alone. I don't want you to feel like you've got to earn your salvation here by, by doing a good job of remembering and reading your Bibles. That's fruit that comes after you're a Christian. So maybe your first question is, do I even know God? Do I even know God at all? And if not, it's time to just give it all over to Him through Christ. I love you guys. I'm, I'm, I'm glad you're here this morning. Please come next week. Next week is probably going to be the most important sermon from the book of Joshua. Next week, God addresses the people through Joshua. And I think God will be addressing us as well. So I just want to pray for you, and then we'll uh, sing together. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word, that we have a history, that you're real. That it's not some sentimental fairy tale. And that we can entrust our entire lives to you. Please help us to do so. I pray for those who are in excruciatingly difficult circumstances right now. Help them to see how to trust you. Help them to remember who you are through the haze, through the the chaos of their lives right now. I pray that you prepare all of us for when the hard times come. Help us not forget. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.